welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The brilliant comedian, actress and writer Arabella Weir joins me for this episode of The Divorce Social. She's very funny. We met at the Women in Comedy, no, Comedy Women in Print Awards, that's what it's called. Um, which was a room full of brilliant writers, comedians, all celebrating excellent comedy women who write books. And we got on straight away. She's great fun. And I found out she too is divorced. And of course, I asked her to come on the podcast. You'll definitely recognise her from lots of brilliant shows on the telly. She's currently in Two Doors Down. And she's also written books herself. She's done tonnes. Um, and she is very honest about her divorce situation, being friends now with her ex, how they, you know, told the children and how that all worked. So enjoy this one. I am joined by Arabella Weir, comedy actor and writer. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Hello, thank you. Thanks for, for joining me. How does it feel being on The Divorce Social? Um, actually, as I was sort of anticipating this over the last few weeks, having said I'd do this, I thought, hmm, I wonder whether I do want to. I mean, I absolutely, if I fill in a form or if somebody asks me, of course I admit, you know, admit sounds it sounds like a crime, but, you know, <laughs> that I'm divorced. But I guess it's still, the word still holds a sort of negative association. It has a sort of element of failure attached to it. I'm not saying that is the correct interpretation. I'm saying that that's my sort of visceral knee-jerk response to the word. So as I say, obviously I don't pretend I'm not divorced, but 
I think it will never not have a kind of, oh, that's something you failed to do. So how do you feel having been invited on a podcast purely because you are divorced? I definitely don't hold to that kind of, we, I'm divorced. Um, You know, I'm having a divorce party, particularly where there's children involved. Because I do think, I don't think you should, anybody should stay unhappily married just for the kind of, we cracked this and I can look at people in my street and go, yes, I've been married for X many years. That I would never hold to. And I don't believe in any of the sort of keeping up with the neighbours type of thing. But I don't think it's something to be celebrated. Well, I certainly am not, don't go for the kind of, yeah, it's amazing being divorced because I've got children as well. And I would rather for their sake have not split up with their dad, but I have a very good relationship with their dad now. So that I suspect we'd never have come to if we'd stayed married for the sake of the children in inverted commas. But I, yeah, I don't, when people do a kind of, oh yeah, I'm having a divorce party. I think, oh, don't do that. Nobody has a, I'm being made redundant party. <laughs> and I'm not saying divorce is the equivalent of, redundancy. If you were in a job that you didn't like and you quit your job to start doing something that you've always wanted to do, you might celebrate that. Yes, I probably wouldn't celebrate it though. If I was in a job that was earning me quite a lot of money and was 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 a comfortable place for me to be and then they went actually we think we can do without you. But the thing is so much of this for me, is associated with not being wanted. Now, that that isn't the case in my divorce, but I was not, or I was certainly made to feel that I wasn't wanted as a child by my parents unless I was thin enough, pretty enough, pleasant enough, got into Oxford, which, by the way, I never tried to, but that was absolutely the benchmark for them. So when I was in the process of splitting up with my then husband, I couldn't separate the I am being not wanted, even though that wasn't, I I immediately reverted to this is me being rejected. I have no agency and I must hang on to this thing that actually by this time was toxic and not at all healthy, but so associated am I to, if they don't want you, Or if this thing is not working, it's because you are intrinsically unwantable. Not, it can be succeeded. It absolutely can be succeeded by someone else. You have failed. And it's because you are intrinsically undesirable, um, not thin enough, not pretty enough. You know, all those things I felt as a kid. Also, I think this is very true of women of my generation. uh, And I was born in 1957. Is... Um, Women absolutely can succeed, but it's down to them to try harder. You, you know, you've got to be the best at hockey or, you know, whatever it was. And it's within your gift. It's just a question of working hard. So there was all that associated for me with divorce. But also my mum was, I suppose, looking back an early feminist, but ironically, very much saw herself as, and this was absolutely not the factual case, but that she was a divorced woman, which was pretty unusual. I mean, I started secondary school in 1969 and me and one other girl, who's still one of my closest friends, were the only girls at an all girls 
white middle-class school, not a private school, but a, a, a selective school, we were the only girls with divorced parents. And that felt embarrassing and shameful, even though both of our mothers were privileged, had their own money, were by no means women who'd been sort of left on the scrap heap by men going off with gorgeous young women. You know, there was none of that. They were both women who had agency and had made their own choices, but saw themselves or chose to sue them. And I mean, I remember my mother going, no, we'll never invite you to a dinner party again uh, as a single woman and me thinking, but that's not a reflection of her life. So she very much cleaved to the here I am on the scrap heap, which was so not true of the facts, but was how she chose to see herself and talk about herself. So when divorce loomed for me in, well, about 10, I can't remember now, 11 years ago, um, maybe a bit less, can't remember. Um, I was trying to, ha-ha, divorce myself from that association. And that was part of the struggle, rather than this is a healthy life choice, wherein I can now embark on a healthier, happier life where I'm in control of my own destiny. Um, I kept thinking, no, I'm going to be my mum. And everybody around me, uh, including my very valued therapist, was saying, but there is nothing even remotely similar to your life and that of your mum's. Um, but I just thought, no, I will be that woman. I will not. I also thought I'd fail with my children. But then my, my as most people, I'm sure, who are going through a divorce feel, your self-esteem is so low by that stage that it's very difficult to hang on in, to, to conceive at that stage of any notion that it's all going to be great. And, you know, I remember finding out, actually long before I met my husband, I remember talking to uh, someone who dealt with, um, you know, women in abusive, physically abusive relationships. And this person said, women who leave physically abusive relationships still miss that guy. Because, of course, it's not all of what he was. Uh, and, of course, there'll be something in there that was codependent. I'm not saying for a minute women asked to get hit. Obviously, please don't anybody think I'm saying that. But there's a codependency. So even when something's pretty toxic and, and bad for you, you, in my case, I'd lost any sense of how I might be okay on my own and able to nourish myself alone. I was sort of thinking, no, I won't cope alone and I won't be a good parent alone. And and in my case, I also knew that I was facing single parenting. I, kn I knew there was absolutely no chance that we were going to be co-parents. There was going to be no 50-50 custody or anything like that. I knew I was going to be doing this alone. And that daunted me because I had the specter of my mother, who was a spectacularly bad parent. I mean, off the scale. And um, I mean, not really a parent. I don't think any of my siblings i don't think anyone would think of my mother as a mother i sometimes think of referring to her as the woman i who gave birth to me she was an amazing person and super intelligent and erudite and so well read and but absolutely not equipped to be a parent so that's a lot 
of family history (laughs) no I did and thank you for being so honest um but yeah I I feel the weight of all that going into your divorce with with the family history and the relationship with your mother and the kind of you associating that idea of you know being unloved being unwanted so, so just practically, how old were you, if you don't mind saying, when you got divorced and how old were your children? Well, I split up with my husband oh, uh, 11 years ago and then got divorced, I don't know, maybe eight years ago. And so I really think of the split as being, you know, when he moved out as being, I mean, divorce you can doesn't really make any difference once they've moved out. It doesn't really matter if you're legally married to them or not once they've gone physically. And the kids would have been 12 and 11. So about to hit teenage years. Or maybe, yeah, 12 and 11 because they're only a year apart. And the first thing I felt on their behalf was if something happens in our house, a fire, a murderer breaking in, I remember lying in bed for weeks thinking there is nobody who is, I am the only person in the world that can protect them now. And of course, there, thank God, wasn't a fire and no murderer did break in. But I remember feeling the weight of, and I'd always been the breadwinner. So I felt that, which sort of, because I love my job and have been very lucky in being successful, that I didn't mind. But suddenly being the breadwinner with no other person in the world who cared about them as much as I did in the actual house that felt like a lot I even felt that and I didn't have children but I remember thinking when I was suddenly on my own if a murderer comes in it's just me and the murderer (laughs) yes I think one of the fantasies and I don't I'm not anti-marriage at all but one of the fantasies that you buy into is I've now got someone who's again, you know, I've got me and X again, oh, X, uh, ha ha, but me and <laughs> X, Y, Z uh, against the world with me. I've got an ally and they, we together can now face the world and as it were, the figurative burglar who's going to murder you. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, that's that was very much what I thought going into marriage and I couldn't have been wronger, not because he's not a friend now, but because I think it's a lot to expect from a person. I mean, I absolutely now would say that my closest friends are my allies and that if you could marry your closest friends, all of them, that would be a better way of approaching life because I think it's a lot and I know some people succeed, but I think it's a great deal to expect one person that you're also hoping to be intimate with sexually to also be your best friend, to also be the person who goes, don't worry, I've heard the murderer downstairs. I'll go and deal with him because it's going to be him. Um, and I think it's a lot. Uh, I also don't really uh but then that's sort of, I'm like some sort of fucked up bloke. Um, looking back, I don't really like the notion of being married or being that intimate with someone that you're also supposed to be finding sexy. That I sort of 
strikes me as mutually exclusive. So what? So if they can protect you from the murderer, that's not if very sexy. The murderer, that's sexy. Okay. You know, um, go. Oh, I've just done a terrible shit. Or um, yeah. Don't you think? Or or um, what do you mean? Uh, there's washing up. I mean, I don't feel like it. Just think. Oh, and now I'm supposed to want to give you a blowjob. I mean, forget it. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I mean, so I was in my, what would I have been, my early 50s, and I had a little bit of, oh my God, that's it, I'll never have a boyfriend again, and then pretty quickly, actually, so I was lucky in that way, just thought, and I couldn't care less, I don't give a fuck, and I don't want to fuck, so um, that was probably the most liberating thing that happened to me. The idea of trying to find another one was just like nah. a little bit of me. I went on to very foolishly um, because I never think of myself as famous, but I suppose I'm reasonably well recognized. And certainly my name is because it's a reasonably unusual name. Uh, I went on Tinder and something else. Can't remember. Let's say Bumble. And literally thought, what? I mean, you know, a parade of freaks in my age group. I mean, I'm sure it's great for young people, but I just thought uh, it was, it was very helpful at discovering. I just didn't want to do it. Did people recognize you and say strange things? Most of them, some of them thought I wasn't really me. They went, you can't, you're, you, it can't be you. Yeah. Because of course people have fantasies about what people off the telly's lives are like. Uh, and you know, we don't have any problems. We, you know, it's all great for don't us. Don't need to date. Don't need to date, whatever. <laughs> Or made stupid jokes like, you know, your bum doesn't look big in that. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Um, but I would say forget about divorce. Well, although maybe don't forget about it. But the most liberating thing that ever happened to me was discovering I didn't need a bloke in my life. And that was just unbelievably liberating. Now, I, you know, I used to have a lot of sex. Um, I used to, you know. I mean, have lots of boyfriends and lots, and I used to be very interested in it. Uh, and I'm incredibly grateful that that isn't happening anymore. And I mean, I'm sure that's my age, but also so much. I learned to feed myself, for want of a less sort of hippie-ish um, way of describing it. But I did, I mean, I, the first couple of years of splitting up with my husband were absolutely miserable. I'm not going to pretend to anyone that it was easy and I absolutely didn't want to do it. I mean, I would have preferred to stay with him for the kids' sake. And also because I wanted a family that I hadn't had as a child myself. But I have a great relationship with the kids. That was possible, I think, because I was on my own and able to make decisions for them and us without having to accommodate someone who was at the time being very unreasonable and I, the kids in their 20s now, they talk about me very, very sweetly as being a great role model. And I think, yes, if what I've modeled for you, one's a boy and one's a girl, they're both heterosexual. And if what I've modeled for you is a woman can be on her own, earn a living, be very happy and have wonderful friendships, then that's about as good as it gets. They both are in long term relationships which is great. But what I've modelled for them is you don't have to be. That's amazing. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pleased about that. 
Yeah. Do you think that's alleviated some of the guilt about that you mentioned at the beginning about that kind of shame of the the idea of the failure of the marriage? And you said you didn't want to be like your mum who you don't consider, you wouldn't necessarily call a mother figure, but you've done the opposite, it sounds like, for your children. Yes, I, I think I have no guilt. Uh, I I don't have any guilt. Um, I mean, they say you should never have done this, mum, and you should never have done that, but it's never about you should never have split up with dad. It's never you should have tried harder. Because although I, looking back, clung on for way too long, I did, I, I am, in as much as one can ever know oneself properly, I am confident that I absolutely did my best to keep it going uh in fact i went on way too long um looking back and you know in hollywood movies and in novels and stuff you people sit down and they go hey this isn't working i i still love you as a person should we be best friends and see what we can you know it nobody in the history of time unless there was never any passion, breaks up like that. It's sad. It's incredibly painful. It's a real loss. I mean, around the same time, my best friend died of cancer, and I would have said that was worse. Um, uh, That was definitely worse. That and then losing my cleaning lady of 25 years. Those three ranked together. Did she die or no? Okay. She's still alive. She's just not cleaning. She gave up and I literally went, you can't do this. This is much worse than getting divorced. I'm going to have lunch with her today. (laughs) And I just think it should not be underestimated. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm a Daily Mail columnist that you should sort of, you know, it's, you know, you've got to keep going at all costs. You absolutely mustn't keep going at all costs. And you must... I mean, I think I'm, we're probably predominantly talking to women in this podcast. You absolutely must look out for yourself, your own mental health, your own sense of self. But, you know, be, a, be in no doubt that it's a painful uh, process and, and, and exactly that. You have to process it and it won't be fun times and parties. You're going to have to strap on for some real grief and real work on yourself, but that you will be, in my case, if you do that work, you will be happier, more fulfilled, have more agency and be in a better place than you could ever hope to be in something that is reducing. Absolutely. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ding dong. It's the ad break. This podcast is sponsored by Penguin in the Room, an award-winning company that can manage your business's social media. They even manage our podcast, Instagram and Twitter. Just email info at penguinintheroom.com for a quote. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can by buying merchandise from our website, www.thedivorcesocial.com. Ding dong. And you mentioned that you were seeing a, a therapist, a counsellor. How early on did you, because I I got counselling, I think I was having counselling when we initially broke up because my dad had just died. Because, mm. you know, everything always happens at once. Um, and and the, my kind of therapy definitely helped me. I'm also on anxiety medication. So all of those things really helped me during that terrible time. How quickly did you get a therapist or have you always had one? I've had therapy pretty much on and off since I was in my early 30s, you know, mainly to do with uh, my, it, well, it started to do with my bad, having been badly parented and trying to find a way to like and love myself and nourish myself without constantly going, but, you know, I'm too fat, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not successful enough, all the things that my parents, I mean, didn't suggest, they were explicitly, you know, expressed. Um, And then my ex-husband and I saw a therapist together, and then he left that, and I stayed with that person because it felt very helpful seeing someone who, who'd known my husband. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody in the world should have therapy. I cannot recommend it highly enough, but you should definitely have it if you can access it. And of course, talk about first world problems and first world, um, you know, rights issues. You should definitely have it if you're going through any kind of major loss, which whatever way you slice it, divorce is, it's a loss at its least dramatic. It's a gear change, but I would say it's a loss and that that needs to be processed and acknowledged. You know, nobody gets married to get divorced. Yeah. You get married because you have hopes and dreams that you think you're going to share with this person for the rest of your life. And if you didn't, then don't get married. You know, just have a boyfriend, great, or a partner. But yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that it's a loss without wishing to sound like I'm you know, Linda Lee Potter or one of those dreadful male columnists who say it's, you know, it's your job to keep them together and keep your marriage together, all that rubbish. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that either. Um, but no, I would agree that it's, you know, my my divorce started fairly amicably, started. Um, but it still, you know, we we both sat down and said we felt the same and we thought we should break up and it was horrible and sad and but um it still felt like a loss even though I felt like I'd had agency in that decision and yeah it was definitely a grieving process and I was also grieving a death at the same time so it was a weird you know and you said about your friend dying um 
but you mentioned earlier the the idea that you decided that you didn't need a man in your life and that was really liberating because I was obsessed with no one's ever going to love me again I'm never going to find another partner and I and like that kept going round and round in my head how did you let go of that how did you liberate yourself well I'm older than you and I earn my own money I always have I own my own house because of various well I'm also the generation that bought a house cheaper than anybody could now. And I've had my children, which I wanted. And then you find yourself, no disrespect to men, but you find yourself going, so what are they for? <laughs> um, and, and then in my case, you think, well, they're for sex. Now, of course, they've got to be a right thinking person uh, and uh, you know a decent person as well. But I found myself, that's why I say I'm like some awful bloke heterosexual blokes I found myself thinking well I don't really need anything except for maybe the odd leg over and and then of course if you're not thinking oh I might have children with this person and they might be great at my girlfriend's dinner parties because they'll be my other half um I just found myself thinking oh well you know what uh, what what do I want it for what do I and then of course I'm lucky in that you know I think evolution stops you wanting sex as much as I wanted it in my 20s and 30s. But actually, looking back, I don't think I wanted sex as much as I thought I did. I think it was a different way of trying to find someone who'd love me forever, in inverted commas. You know, my white, uh, my, what do they call it? Yeah, knight in shining armour. Not necessarily white. But now, but I suppose I have the time per force to kind of the luxury of being able to sit back and go, well, what what would I want it for? What, you know? And a girlfriend of mine who happens to be gay, but that's neither here nor there, she said, if they're not your friend, what are they doing there anyway? And and I thought that's a very good way. But of course, as I've already said, for me, finding someone sexy, I mean, literally wanting to have sex with them, doesn't usually uh, find being their best friend is sort of mutually exclusive to me um I can see how I'd be their best friend but because I'm great at being friends <laughs> I'm sort of thinking yeah but I don't I wouldn't also find you sexy Kingsley Amos the writer Kingsley Amos said who was famously unfaithful to his wives um he said in his older years Losing my sex drive is like being unchained from a maniac. And I, that's pretty much, I was so compelled to, as I saw it, get boys to like me. And the way boys, I knew that boys liked me was by, you know, having sex with them, uh, sort of gathering scalps. Um, And, you know, I don't mind admitting that that's what it felt like. And I I was sort of, I was genuinely compelled. that I just don't think like that anymore. But I do think it's to do with age, it's to do with uh, financial security, and it's to do with having had children. I don't think I knew how much I wanted to have children until I had my children. And then I literally think, my God. So whatever else, I will always be eternally grateful to my husband 
for that because he was younger than me and he was he probably st- he is still younger than me. It makes it sound. I love the way we always say he was. Well, he was called, and he was younger than me. Well, he's not dead yet. But um, so I was. I was old when I had kids. I, I was forty and forty-one. So I was lucky and grateful. I think it's interesting what you said about um, you know, you being financially stable, and you know, so what do you need them for? And I think that is kind of a modern way of looking at it as well, because society now you know, when we, well, when I was growing up and, you know, my mum, when my mum was growing up, I've had these conversations with her, it was, you know, you're a woman, you need to meet a man and the man will provide for you and he will buy a house. And, you know, and that's why you're in a relationship. Whereas now, you know, like you, I own my own house and I have my own money. So yeah, why would you welcome someone into your life unless they're bringing something that, I don't know, enlivens you, challenges you, excites you, and is a partnership? I mean, the fact is, it is still true, and will be for the rest of time, I imagine, that depending on what your job is, it is reasonably hard to work if you're pregnant, and then when you've got tiny people in your life. And so, of course, the ideal, doesn't matter what gender they are, but the ideal is another person as involved with that tiny person as you are, with as high a stake as you've got, as the birth mother has got, and that will help quite literally pay the mortgage, wash the nappies, etc. So that is the ideal, but it's not it's not entirely necessary. And I don't want letters from men uh, saying, I, you know, I said, what are they for? If they pull their weight, then of course, a partner of whatever your sexuality is, is, is a great thing to have. But yeah, they better be pulling their weight. Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, just like you said, whatever your sexual orientation is, I think it's nice to know that you don't need someone else that you might like someone else if you meet the right person, but you don't need them. And I think that is, yeah, an exciting revelation. But you said you had lots of sex and boyfriends for a while and you tried apps and that didn't work. So how how did you get all the sex <laughs> for anyone I who's like... I got lots of sex before I was married because, okay. you know, I was interested in it and up for it. And, and then post-marriage, I had one absolutely disastrous uh well it wasn't an encounter because it was more than a couple of times but I think that really crystallized it for me I thought well I mean you know what on earth would I be doing this for when the payoff is what that you get a leg over I mean this person's not my friend well I didn't they didn't feel like a friend they're not my friend they're not behaving in a way that I find particularly appealing um and so what are they doing here? And um, yeah, that really kind of crystallized it. What, why would I put up with this? I, you know, there is no kind of, there's no imperative. Um, and I think there's so much about, I think being on your own is not as hard as people think it is. Of course, if it's not your choice, then that's, if you are lonely, which is a very different thing to being alone, then that is an issue. But 
uh, I found that loneliness can be dispatched by intimate friendships, which don't necessarily involve, you know, being sexually intimate with someone. Being being honest, being open with people. You know, you find out who your friends are, and I'm sure as you've discovered when your dad died and when you got divorced, who your real friends are and who will, and, you know, those are valuable. Those are in, you know, there is, and if you're lucky enough for that person to be also your spouse, good for you. But I don't think a spouse-less life is in any way a kind of tragedy. Uh, and the more we see, I mean, the more young, I know quite a few young women who've decided to have children on their own, um, having just accepted that they'd got too close to the end of their second years and going, right, you know, I've had to do something about this. This is not a tragedy. This is not a failure. This is, I just, I mean, the, the biological clock is not our friend, but um, mm. it's not women's friend. But, and I, hey, Al Pacino having a baby at 83, I mean, What's yeah. wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. Much. <laughs> so how do you see that then, women having babies on their own? Is that something, is that a decision you possibly would have made? Do you know what? I don't think I would have made it because I did not have enough confidence in myself as at being able to do it on my own. But I'd have, I, I think, you know, while the biological clock is a reality, good for you. I think, and you know, you and I hit it off the moment we met. I think it is much easier for our, we're not the same generation, but it is much easier for women now to form friendships. You know, there's there's a lot, there's many problems out there still for women, but the honesty with which women now talk to each other rather than, you know, the fantasy, as I always said, put out there by men that we're all in competition with each other. Um, you know, some bloke came up to me at a thing when I was doing my solo show, and he was a fan of the show I do, Two Doors Down, in which Dune McKicken, who's tall and very slim, it, it does a brilliant character called Kathy. And this guy came up to me, tiny, short, not attractive man, balding. None of that would be relevant except for he said to me, I like two doors down. I said, well, thank you very much. He said, but I bet you hate Dune McKicken. And I went, eh? Why? He went, well, because look what she looks like. Wow. And I went, eh? I mean, he was obviously a plonker, this guy. But I have found as I've got older that I'm warm and interest. I'm warm with and interested in women. And if they respond in kind and not just women, but, you know, it's it, I'm heterosexual, so therefore I don't think women by and large think I'm coming on to them. And I think if you've got, they don't have to just be women, but if you have created a friendship group, you'd probably be fine having a baby on your own because it's, you know, it takes a village. Yeah. It doesn't take one other person. It takes a village. As long as you've got the support there yeah. around you, you in whatever form. Um, so can you ever see yourself dating again in the future? No. <laughs> <laughs> An emphatic no. I can't see myself getting married again. I can't. I have to say, I never, ever. It was so upsetting, so awful, so sad, so angry, splitting up with my husband that I could never, ever imagine 
getting to where we are now. And we are really close friends. We spend time together. There's affection. There's huge love there. I I can't say we'd have done this would have happened if we hadn't if we didn't share two people, our children who you know matter to both of us more than anything in the world. We probably wouldn't. That wouldn't have the opportunity wouldn't have arisen to find each other again as friends um, if we didn't have kids. But we spend time together without our children now. And it's lovely. Um, I don't think I'd want to be married to him again, but then I don't want to be married to him. I, I look at married couples and I think, no one's telling me when to leave a party. I am not going to anybody else's house for Christmas and putting up with their, you know, you, their relatives. I mean, I actually love his mother, who I'm still very close to, but I've been lucky in that I found an opportunity. We have found an opportunity to find why we loved each other in the first place. I don't know that we'd have got here if we'd stayed together. I have absolutely, I mean, I'm very fortunate in that a couple of blokes fancy me or are after me. And I, one of them is very, very good company. The other, not so much. But I just think, no, we've had a nice lunch. We've had a nice dinner. I don't want to see your disgusting old cock. I mean, I'm not saying I've got an amazing body. I'm sure I haven't. Um, I mean, I know I haven't. What about a bit of a snog? Nope. Not interested. Just think, no, let's have a lovely dinner, some really good wine. Uh, let's have a real laugh together. But I've got no, I mean, who wants to see an old scrotum? <clears throat> I'm sure the people sleeping with old people don't want to see old scrotums. Well, you don't necessarily have to, like, look at them intensely. You said to me, I've got a, I've got a really fit 40-year-old who fancies you, then I might go, oh, no, that I could do. Okay. I think the bottom line is I'm a horrible man trapped in a woman's body. I'm a sexist pig, male, trapped in a woman's body. But it's not because I'm saying I look so amazing. I'm just saying, eh, who wants, I don't want to see old men in the nude and I'm sure they don't want to see me in the nude. So let's leave it at that. <laughs> yes, a snog with a 40-year-old, maybe. But then I'd probably also be thinking, no, I could be his mum. That's all right. I have a male lodger in my house now that the kids have gone uh, he happens to be gay but we very much live as companions and that is fantastic i feel incredibly fortunate he is a bloke but obviously he's not interested in me and but we're very good companions and and if a murderer comes no i think he'd be pretty pathetic then as well okay I think I'm more the kind of stand back, I'll deal with this. But at least somebody, you know, just get me the baseball bat. Yeah, there's an assistant there. I've definitely become tougher. Definitely become tougher, more capable. I just, I guess I've learned to recognise that we all have agency. And you just have to, you know, it is hard work a little bit, I think, being on your own. But not when you look at the benefits. But only if that if it didn't work out with the person that you hoped you would share agency with. But at the end of the day, you know, you are you and you have to make life as good as you can for yourself and no one else is going to do that. Very true. And do you think your relationship with your ex is better now? Oh, definitely. Than it was when you were married? Not at the beginning. We were very happy together at the beginning for a good few years and very happy when the kids were little. Uh, but it deteriorated for a whole host of reasons. 
but we're very good friends now and not sure we'd have got there. We might have done, but who, you know, we can't know. I mean, of course, ideally, we'd have got here having stayed married and having stayed, not put the kids through splitting up. Never mind putting the kids, putting myself through it, through putting each other through it. But of course, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And, you know, as with losing my best friend to cancer, you, life can be incredibly hard, but you, you just, and you have to find the strength to roll with the punches because there's no way of avoiding it. When you get divorced, lose your best friends, awful things happen. In your case, lose your dad. I mean, you were obviously too young for that to happen. But of course, that at least is it is supposed to be the way life works. Mm. But tragedies happen in, in a lot of people's cases, and you have to find the strength to roll with the punches. But you know that I'm, I know it's a corny old thing, but I do very much subscribe to the uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And, and makes you a better, more empathetic person if you process it properly. Yeah, and basically, I think the bottom line is I'm perfect in every possible way. Yeah, great. That's pretty much it. <laughs> um, I don't think I'd want me as a girlfriend. The, one of the guys that's after me, well, he's not anymore. I just said to him, you definitely want me as a mate. You do not want me as a girlfriend. And he went, no, I think I do. And I went, you really don't. I just don't think I did it very well. I mean, I did sex very well. Make no doubt about that. But, uh, uh, I don't think I was cut out to be a, you know, uh, the first thing I was going to say, and I'm afraid that is what I see as wives, long-suffering, that's definitely not me. I, I, yeah, I never really saw myself as a as a wife. And then I think I tried to be some version of a wife, and then that didn't work out, so now I'm just me, and that seems fine. Well, it is fine. How could it it's not great. be fine? Exactly. We're perfect. Not maybe we're perfect. We're, we're happy with ourselves. And that's yes. what you want for anybody you care about. Well, that seems like a perfect place to end. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find you online and follow you and go and see your things? They can follow me on Instagram. I was just on Coronation Street, if they watch Catch Up. Uh, and I'm about to be on, we're doing a seventh series of Two Doors Down which for the BBC, which has now been moved on to BBC One. So they'll be seeing a lot of me lovely um, yeah amazing well thank you so much thank you sam hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B &B with an ocean view. 
an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.